I think you guys might have hit that one there. They, they were enjoying that. One more hand for these guys, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Got a little funky. So, so glad. Uh, so glad you guys are with us this morning. My name is Mike Conaway, and I am the pastor here at City on a Hill, and just honored to be with you this morning. And uh, we are beginning a two-week series on the book of Jude. And Jude is a one-chapter book, but it is power-packed. And Jude is really, if you had to sum up Jude, it would be contending for the faith. If you had to sum up what's the purpose of Jude, it would be contending for the faith. And so Jude, um, also known in Hebrew and Greek as Judah, um, uh, Jude was actually one of Jesus' four brothers. And he did not, he was not a believer until after he saw the resurrected Jesus. And then he went on to not only lead the church, but he began to be a traveling missionary and preacher. And his main focus was to Messianic Jewish communities. That means people, Jews who received Jesus as the Messiah. So he would go on and he would share with them. And Jude was excellent at doing one thing. And that was making sure you knew the truth. And you didn't accept any counterfeits. And so many people, uh, when you have the truth, there's so many counterfeits that you can study all the counterfeits, but you can't because there's a new counterfeit coming up all the time. So many people don't know, even in the banking industry, they don't let you study the counterfeits because there's new ways. They only let you study the real thing so that you have an intimate knowledge and relationship with the real thing. So when you see a counterfeit, it's kind of obvious. And so, so Jude is now talking to these people and he's helping them understand you must get intimately acquainted with Jesus and the true gospel. And then he says there is an absolute telltale way to know if people have the true gospel or a counterfeit. And he said there's only one thing, it's their way of life. So what he said, it's their way of life. Your way of life reveals if you have the counterfeit or if you have the real thing. And so, so, so Jude is here and he's communicating to these people and he's trying to help them understand that you must see the gospel in people. And the gospel cannot be interpreted by your sociology. It has to be interpreted by your theology. And sociology is how we interpret the Bible. Theology is who God is. And so it's important for us to understand that. And there's only one absolute way that anyone can tell. And that's your way of life. So God's word never changes. The way you interpret God's word, it's going to change with your circumstance. Because we are people who like to make everything right. We like to make it all right. We like to bounce on the grace of God. And so, so what happens is, is the way you apply God's word to your life doesn't change. Your culture changes, our culture changes, but God never changes. Our culture changes with our preferences, what we prefer, what our circumstances. So as we dig in, it's important for us to understand a few things. The first thing I want you to fill in 
this morning is this. Believers have been called, loved, and kept by by God through faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus and only Jesus. And so when you understand that, you understand, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus and a brother of James, to those who were called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So as Jude opens this up, he says, we are the called out ones. And what are we called out from? You're called out from your culture. Uh Uh-oh. That won't preach in, 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 this, in this day and time. It doesn't. It gets labeled a lot of things that it's not. But it never gets called truth. I said it never gets called truth. We are called out from this. And, and it actually means the ecclesia, the called out ones. That's who we are. It's the calling of Jesus. We've been called to Jesus by Jesus for Jesus I said we've been called to Jesus by Jesus for Jesus that means your wants don't matter anymore don't like that and God has one absolute single stance toward you no matter what you decide he loves you let that sink in He has one stance toward you and it won't change until you take your last breath and that final decision that you made, God honors. But he will always love you. No matter if you love culture over him, he's going to love you. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to spend eternity with him. It just means that he still loves you even though you love culture more than him. The word that they use... For kept literally means to watch over. Literally means to guard. Literally literally means to be held in custody. Not like being locked up, but having someone who has custody over you. God has full parental rights over you. And he wanted them. He signed the papers for you. No matter how much of a troubled child you are. He signed the papers. Nobody else wanted you, but he did. You see, Jude, he begins to write this, and he's digging into this letter, and he says, listen, I wanted to write to you about how beautiful salvation is and what we share because of this salvation, but I can't. I can't do that right now because there's something that is happening inside the church. Not in, not, he's not talking about those who don't know Jesus. He says, I wanted to write to you about the things we have in common. But I can't right now because there are some things we don't have in common because there are those among you who are promoting something that is not the truth. So he says, man, I, I really wanted to do this. I wanted to send this to you. He said, I can't. Not every one of you have been called out yet. Some of you are still in your culture and think you can be in your culture and in the church. More importantly, in Christ. And so he says, he says, they were some, he says, there are some who are calling themselves, but they have evil purposes. And then he says, let me tell you how to spot them. It's their way of life. It's their way of life. And so he writes this, 
And, and I want you to understand something very valuable. Number two, moral compromise is a clear evidence of false teaching and teachers. Now, i got to tell you, this is not going to win me any prizes today. It's going live on Facebook, so I'll probably get a lot of hate and all that, but I don't care. Hate me if you want. The gospel is the gospel. I love you. And I'll still love you even when you hate me. But moral compromise is a clear evidence of false teaching and teachers. And that's not Pastor Mike saying that. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ saying it. Look, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to you, the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the gospel of our God into sensuality. The new religion of this whole world is sex. That's the new religion of this world. Nobody wants to hear that though. And deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So he says here, he says, moral compromise is a clear evidence. And Jews says it's easy to see by their way of life. By their way of life. You want to know if they love Jesus? Look at the way they live. I'm not talking about if they come to church. Because you can come to church on Sunday and live like the devil all week long. He says that their compromise is clear and evident. He said, did you know that we are all teachers? All of us are teachers in some way, shape, or form. So if you're living a life, a way of life that is outside of the faith, and others are seeing that you are being a teacher and you are teaching them something false, and your blood will be on, their blood will be on your hands because you approved of them. You don't like that. I don't like that. But it's true. People come to me sometimes and they want me to, to, to sway from the Bible to their benefit. And I have wept and said, I can't. If I do, I don't deserve to be in this pulpit. I cannot sway as much as I love you, as much as I wish it wasn't that way. It's God's way or no way. These false teachers, what do they do? They pervert the grace of God into a license to sin. They directly defy God's word and encourage others to do the same so that they feel better and they can prey on us. If you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. Jesus understands. I'm free to be me. God understands. Times have changed. That book, God didn't really mean it that way. What kind of God would send someone to hell? There's a lot of questions. I heard just God, holy God. They just consider that not to be truth because they didn't read the word. My answer is nobody would, God would not send anyone to hell. People choose hell. It's their own choice. God doesn't send anyone to hell. 
the sentence is pronounced by you. And your way of life is your example. If you really believe, if you know what believe means, believe, the first fruit of belief is what? Come on, say it louder. It's repentance. It means to agree with God that you're right and I'm wrong. To agree with God that I was born in sin and I need a Savior. That's the only possible way for us to get through. And so we have to understand this, and so we have clear instructions, but we act like we don't have clear instructions. But the truth of the matter is the reason that we don't have clear instructions is because you don't read your Bible. I don't read. You don't read. We don't read, and then we don't get clarity, and then we take some other false teacher's understanding eisegetic work as truth miss the exegetic work and we ourselves join the broad path and not the narrow path you don't believe me jesus said not everyone who calls me lord lord is going to make it he said some of you are going to say didn't we do this and didn't we do that and then he's going to say i never knew you that's what jesus said So if you need, if you want to know what God says, why don't you look for yourself? And why don't you make sure the scholars that you're trusting in, because that's what you like, let's make sure they actually understand Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, not American, not English. Number three, Scripture reveals God's moral standard. Anything else is false teaching. Scripture reveals God's moral standard. Anything else is false teaching. Scripture. It's Scripture that reveals God's moral standard. Did you know God's moral standard hasn't changed in thousands? Somebody close that door for me. Um, Did you know that, thank you, Chris, because that light's coming right in on my face. Did you know that Scripture reveals God's moral standard and anything else is false teaching? And God hasn't changed. God has not changed. We've changed, but He hasn't. So this is what Jude writes, and I want to read it to you because I don't want you to miss it. I want to read it to you so you can understand because Jude is quoting 1 Enoch. He's also quoting the testament of Moses, which are all extra biblical works. And he's also quoting scripture because those works, Enoch and the, and the testament of Moses are quoting scripture. So he says, now I want to remind you. I want to remind you. Why? Because we're forgetful. Especially when those struggles have names and we love them dearly. Although you once fully knew it, although you once fully knew it, you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels that did not stay, 
within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, have been kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities were likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing punishment by eternal fire. Now there's three examples from Scripture. Some people say, I don't know why Sodom and Gomorrah was condemned. It's because you haven't been reading the Bible. It just said it right here. And they changed it and said, well, it really wasn't that. They just weren't nice people. I just read what happened. And then Jude confirmed the word because you know what the word does? The word confirms the word. And so we see this in this case. The first thing he pulls from, the first section he pulls from is he says, he says, you remember the, the, the people that God delivered from Egypt and they grumbled against him so much so that he said, fine, walk around here for 40 years. And when everyone who's 20 or younger is only left and the rest of you had died off, then you get the promised land. I'm going to give you what you want. You want to be dead in the desert? Then you can be dead in the desert. Gave them what they wanted. People who want to go to hell, you get to go. You want God out of your life, you get to go. What kind of God would make you go to heaven when you hate him? That's not love. Right? Then, then he comes to the next people and he talks about the angels, the cosmic beings, the angels. And they had come down and they, have had, they had sex with humans. And God said, nope, you stepped out of your position of authority. You've been cursed. You've been chained. You're locked up. You got divine justice. You wanted divine justice? Now you got it. And then he got to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God had sent angels there. And there was even someone interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. If you can find ten, a hundred, ten, one. And then divine justice was pronounced. But God's not fair. God's not. It's God that's not fair, not us. Warning after warning after warning, but it's still God. He's bad because he doesn't let us do whatever we want. Well, that makes every parent in here awful. Because how many parents have ever had you? If you loved me, you wouldn't treat me this way. Any parent ever had that said to you? Well, you know what? You're bad parents because you should let them do whatever they want it, whenever they want it, and, and if you didn't, then you could not love them. No, it's the reverse, isn't it? You love them so much that you said, don't touch the hot stove. Don't run in traffic. You can't have cake for breakfast. Right? You're not getting every toy you put your hands on. Right? All you bunch of bad parents out there, <laughs> poor kids, they ain't never had nothing nice. That's how we treat God, though, isn't it? And then he goes on, and he goes on, he says, Yet in like manner, these people also rely on, relying on their dreams. Oh, no. <laughs> relying on whose dreams? Not God's dreams, their dreams. Catch that. 
Catch that. Relying on their dreams. Defile the flesh. Reject authority. And blaspheme the glorious ones. And then he quotes the testament of Moses. But when the archangel Michael contending with the devil who is Lucifer, another archangel, was disputing about the body of Moses, did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but instead the Lord rebuke you. He said, you know what? I'm not going to pronounce judgment on you. I'll let God. You know the people that say only God can judge me? This just in. He will. He will. I don't have to judge it. That's between you and God. Now, I have the ability to judge within the context of the church. Because Jesus said, judge for yourself. Just know that the judgment that you use will be the same measure judged against you. But these people blaspheme all uh, all that they do not understand... And they are destroyed by all that they, uh, all that they like unreasoning animals understand instinctively. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to be glad that Jude, Jude is short. Because it's got all kind of ouchies in it. You know what I'm saying? There's all kind of ouchies up in Jude. I'm like, ouch! Unreasoning animals? That it do extinct instinctively? Help me, Jesus. Woe to them. Woe. For they walked in the way of Cain. What did Cain do? Cain killed his brother, and then he went and started a violent city where everyone who entered were violent. You know what he made? He made disciples of violence. And then he says, and they abandoned themselves for the sake of gain like Balaam's heir. Balaam was not allowed to prophesy against Israel. Instead, he led them into sorcery and sensuality and idolatry. (coughs) He did worse than if he prophesied over them. And perished in Korah's rebellion. Korah led a rebellion against Moses. And all those who followed him also died. The same way all those who follow those false teachers will find themselves apart from God. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. As they feast with you without fear. That means they take communion as if there's nothing wrong with it. As if they they never examine their own lives, but they're quick to turn an eye toward you. It says they're shepherds feeding themselves. Read Ezekiel 34. They're shepherds who feed themselves. He He says they are waterless clouds. Read Proverbs. They're waterless clouds. They're swept by the winds. They're fruitless trees in late autumn. Twice dead. Uprooted, their wild waves of the sea like in Isaiah, casting up their foam to their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for forever. This is what Jude speaks of. And as you start to understand that, you start to understand that it's the scripture. And you don't even have to like it, but it's not changed. The way you interpret it has, but not the way the Bible says. It's still the Word of God. It's still God's moral standard. 
And I don't care what you do, you cannot change it. Your sociology can change all you want, but this Bible is still truth. And God has not changed his mind. So he uses all these examples and he points all these things out. And then he says there's only one way to change. But it's not a way that anybody likes. Because just what I've shared so far, I'd be labeled a hater. I'd be labeled unloving. I'd be... I'd be labeled exclusive, small-minded. Just by everything I've shared just this morning, I'm all of those things. Unloving at the highest level. The difference is you have a pastor that loves you enough to tell the truth, whether you like it or not. Some people in their own hearts are going, if you loved us, you wouldn't treat us this way. I didn't come here on Sunday for this. I want to know how I'm an overcomer. I'm trying to overcome this message right now. <laughs> Didn't come here for this. Came here to find out how I get mine. And all you're talking about is yours. Number four, failure to repent of false teaching will bring about God's righteous judgment. Notice it's God's righteous judgment. Failure to repent. A false teaching will bring about God's righteous judgment. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly... Are you catching the ungodly aspect of this? Just making sure. And all the harsh things of ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are grumblers, malcontents, following... Uh-oh. Oh, Jesus. Following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed, boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. He put all that right out there and he put it in on paper, black and white, for you and me. You see, Jude concludes that as believers, we are to fight for and defend the truth of our faith. But if you don't know the truth, you can't defend the truth. If you've been studying counterfeit so long and following after what your itching ears want to hear, you'll never know what truth is. And until you know what truth is, you'll always fall for counterfeits. And this, let me tell you, if you've been in a church or you're going to a church and everything that that guy says and, or that woman says and nobody never steps on your feet and all he does is just make you feel good, you need to run. You need to run. And if you've never heard the name Jesus in your church or only hear it when you're singing, run. And if you ever hear him say, well, God understands, Run. We are to fight to defend the faith. That's why I beat the Bible studies to death. I say, women, Tuesday night, men, Wednesday night, get in there. We're literally studying the book of Romans verse by verse. We just finished the whole gospel of John. Defend the faith for those who are ungodly or false teachers, and they are arming up. 
They're arming up with arguments that you won't be ready for. If you don't know the word, they're going to come and you're going to say, oh yeah, you know what, you're right. God loves that and he hates everything else, including you. God don't like ugly, Pastor Mike. You need to quit talking like that. I guess God will decide who ugly is. I don't know. Actually, I do know. God will, in his timing, bring judgment upon them if they fail to repent. But let me tell you this. Every one of us are going to stand before judgment as friend or foe. That's just the truth. And it won't be what you've done. It'll be who you know. And the only evidence of who you know is the way you live. Your way of life. They're going to look at your way of life and say, did you really know Jesus? And then they're going to look at this and your way of life to determine if you really knew Jesus. If you really understood the grace of God. Now listen carefully. This is something I need to share with you. We are not to be heresy hunters. We're not here. We don't have to be nasty. You can contend for the faith without being contentious. Please be compassionate. Be kind. Be loving. That's what our job is. I can disagree with people and still love them ridiculously and they can still love me back. I'm not to be a heresy hunter. I'm to be a heresy healer. Amen. Amen. The last thing I ever want anyone to say is those people aren't welcome in my church. Because I'm one of those people. And so if I ain't welcome, if they ain't welcome, I ain't welcome. That's just the truth. Count me out. If you guys are deciding who gets in, then uh, let me be the first one to leave. Let me be the first one to leave. Because I ain't doing that. How else are they going to hear the good news if they're not in here hearing the good news? How else are they going to hear the love of God if, you're not, if they're not here? And how else can the Holy Spirit convict them? And how else can they get truth if you want to keep them outside? God knows every one of us wouldn't be able to sit in this building if it was, if it was those people. Because just in case you didn't know, you is those people. This is, this is, this is uh, something that, that I think will, will, will resonate home with you. Uh, I want you to imagine that there's a, a doctor, and he goes to a refugee camp. And when he goes to this refugee camp, he comes walking in, and man, people are sick, there's dying people, there's, you know, he just comes in, he just, he's coming there, and he's looking around, and he's seeing all of these things, and he goes into a tent, and he sees an old man. And the old man is there and he's covered in this blanket. And this blanket is covered in feces. It's covered in blood. And he's just using it because he, he barely has any clothes and he's warming himself. He's laying in there. And the doctor walks over and looks. And he takes that blanket and he rips it off the old man and he throws it into the corner and says, That's making you sick! Okay, we can go now. And he does nothing for the old man. That's what heresy hunters do. You come in, you rip away the thing that these people are trying to find comfort in and don't replace it with 
a new, fresh blanket that you can wrap around and put salve on their wounds and heal them. And you walk out and say, my job's done. That doctor didn't do anything. And in case you don't know, you know what that old man's going to do as soon as the doctor leaves? He's going to walk back over to that corner. He's going to grab that blanket. And he's going to put it right back around them because that's the only place he found comfort. Give people Jesus. That's what Jude's doing, man. He's giving us Jesus. He's saying don't accept anything else. These guys, they're telling you you can live this way and do this and do this. And really what they were doing is they were having as much sex as they could and they were getting as much money as they could from people in the church. And they were telling everybody it was okay, so then they started to grow more and more. And before you know it, true believers are hard to be told from other believers because there's only really one group of believers. You can't blame the old man for going back and picking up the blanket unless you're going to offer him the blanket of faith. If we're going to remove the counterfeit from people's lives, we're going to have to leave them with the real thing. And if we don't, may God have mercy on us. You see, Jude, he tells us, we're to contend. It's the Lord's kindness that brings people to repentance. And listen to me, church. I need you to hear me very carefully because if you're in this crowd today and you're one of the people that Jude was writing to, it's not too late. Jude wrote this letter. God inspired Jude to write this letter because of you. He loves you so much that he'll call you out. If your way of life is not matching up with the gospel, it's time to repent. If your way of life is not an example of Jesus Christ, it's time to repent. If you are leading other people away from the word of God, if this is the word of God to you, there is, listen to me, listen very carefully to me. This right here is the word of God. You cannot say you have Jesus without this book. The only revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God comes from this book. So you cannot say, I got Jesus, but not the Bible. Because then I'm going to say, well, how do you have Jesus? Do you have Christus from Romans? Is that who you have? Because they didn't mark him as the Son of God. So you got the King of the Jews, but you ain't got the Savior. You're going to look up the book of Josephus and say that he wasn't the Messiah because that's what you got. You got no Messiah. So you can't decide this book isn't true and still have Jesus. You can't do it. And you can't also say that Jesus was silent on things he wasn't silent on. So enough with the Bible's an old archaic book. Enough with that. You don't have Jesus then. Then trust in the universe. Good luck. Okay? Trust in Buddha, Muhammad. Trust in somebody else. You heard it straight from me. If you don't believe in the Word of God, you don't have Jesus. And I'll stand by that. And the Lord, you can replay that on Judgment Day. And I'll be glad to say, yep, that's what I said. It's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. 
And that's what Jude says. Jude says it's Jesus and no one else. Jesus plus something equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And you and I have got to decide. So if you're living on that fence and you are worshiping creation over creator... The Bible, you know what the Bible says that you did? You exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship creation over creator. So every time that you step outside of that and you crawl onto the altar of sex, whatever kind of sex that is outside of marriage, guess what you just did? You just crawled up on the altar of sex and you worshiped in idolatry. And God does not understand and he has much to say about it. If you just read it, but see, you don't want to read it. Because if you read it, then you think you're responsible, but I just made you responsible. You're welcome. You're welcome. So now you think I don't have to read it, then I don't have to know. Yes, you do. God's going to replay that to you. You're going to be like, but I didn't know he's going to say, did you really want to say that right now? Do I need to pull up February 6th? Oh, no. I'm Psych, Jesus. Psych, I was teasing. So church, it's time to get real. Listen, your families, your children, your families, your co-workers, your fellow believers are all watching and hoping that Jesus is everything he says he is. And the only way they'll ever know if he is everything he says he is, is if you live like he is. There's no other way. There's no other way. There are things in the Bible I wish it didn't say because my flesh wants to do those things, but the Bible says they're wrong. And you'll never hear me try and justify them as right. They're just wrong. They're God's moral standard, and they are the only standard. It doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what the country says. It doesn't matter what your Christian friends say. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not good. Money, sex, and power will call your name all your life. doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. And you're always going to have to choose Jesus over those. You can't have Jesus and those. You can only have Jesus and then Jesus can bestow upon you power because you can be trusted. He'll, 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 he'll bestow upon you blessing so you can be a blessing. And he'll bestow upon you sex in the context of your relationship and your marriage. That's the only way it'll ever happen. Everything apart from that it's not true. And I know that makes some people walk away sad. That's what the rich young ruler did. Cain just said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, go to church. Oh, I go to church. Yay. Well, you got to tithe. Oh, yeah, I tithe. On the gross, not the net. On the gross, not the net. Right? I serve. Hallelujah. You'll see me at that homeless ministry. What? checking off the boxes then he comes to your one thing and he says uh yeah well you know there might be one thing and then he points your one thing out and then he watch you oh you know about that 
And then he says, now I need you to leave it behind and follow me. And this is what happens to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler can't do it. And the Bible says he went away sad because he chose his riches over Jesus. And there's one thing for all of us. Let us not pretend that all of us don't have that thing. And today Jesus is saying, yeah, you did all that, but this is what I need. This is what I want. And then follow me. Would you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. Jesus, this is so serious. I, only you can do this work, God. I know it, it, it's been tearing at my heart and my spirit, and I need you. And I don't even pretend to stand in front of these people like I know something they don't. All I know is I need you, Jesus, more than my next heartbeat and more than my next breath. And I examine my life and I say, God, search me. And if there be any wicked way in me, change me and help me and lead me in the way of the everlasting so that then I can lead others toward you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, man, I need Jesus more than my next heartbeat, more than my next breath. I can't do, I can't, I can't live anymore. I don't want to live a double life. I want to live a single-minded life. I just need Jesus. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Anybody brave enough to do that in this house today? Yes, there are brave hands going up. Yes, you can place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to simply repent to Jesus. We're just going to simply say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins of omission and commission. God, help me. I want to be like you. I want to live like you. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like, like you. And I know, God, I can't be perfect. I have given up the idea of perfection. But I know that I can't be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And one day I will be perfected, but it'll only be by your grace. So wash me with the water of your word. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Convict me, convince me, correct me, and rebuke me. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a great hand clap this morning because he's a good God? Man, if you said that...